back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Thursday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are getting a break from the sunshine as we'll hear from each of the Dolphins' offensive assistants as well as safety, Eric Rowe. Plus, I'll tell you what lessons I've learned from my first month here in South Florida. All of that and more on this Thursday, August the 20th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins... So no practice on Thursday, but we are going to hear from the Dolphins' offensive assistants, Chan Gailey, Robbie Brown, Eric Studisville, George Godsey, Steve Marshall, and Josh Grizzard. A little tidbit on Gailey's evolving offensive system, some research I did last night, and get to my exclusive interview with Dolphins safety Eric Rowe, which you can also find on our debut episode of the Drive Time Training Camp Special, which is on the Dolphins' YouTube channel right now. But first, before any of that, As the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. Who do you wear a mask for? Mask up South Florida, keep caring, live healthy, stay strong, and learn more at baptisthealth.net slash coronavirus. All right, the Drive Time Training Camp Special is a video show. Again, you can find it up on YouTube or on Dolphin social media. We originally planned to shoot the thing outside, but as we'll talk about here in the Lessons I've Learned in South Florida segment, weather changes plans quickly down here, so we did it inside. Keep an eye out for that show. I'll be sure to tweet it out like crazy. And on that show, we had an exclusive interview with Dolphin Safety Eric Rowe, which we're going to go ahead and roll right now on the Drive Time Podcast. All right, and joining me now is Dolphin Safety Eric Rowe. Eric, first I want to ask you, man, how's camp going? How you feeling? Sore. <laughs> well, I mean, camp, camp is going good, though. I'm excited to get back out there, put on the pads. I mean, we haven't played football since December. So, uh, I mean, it was a long break, so it's always feel good to get back out there. Well, it's year two for you here in Miami. Do you get any sense of comfortability in the heat and humidity in the second year, or is it just always hot? No, it's it's always hot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because the last time legit like, we practiced, you know, in this heat, probably like in probably last September. I mean, it cools off after a while, and you know, after you adjust to the heat, the minute it's you know maybe like eighty five, it feels good outside. So, uh, <laughs> so now it's back up there, and it, it's hot. We're up in the shade up there on press row for the media, and I go stand by that fan, and even then it's still really hot, so I even have that working for me, and I can't imagine you guys down there with all the gear on and the sunshine. It's it's brutal, but I do want to go back. I talked about the beginning of your time here in Miami. You come here as a cornerback. Now you're playing safety and playing on a second contract with the team. When they approached you about the change, what was that like for you? What was your initial reaction to, hey, we want you to play some safety? Uh, you know, my initial reaction was, I mean, I understood – because uh, at the time we were, you know, we were down. We were down. We were really low on depth with safeties. Uh, it wasn't a lot of depth going on, and we had some good depth at corner. So at the time, I was like, "Hey, you know, I was still playing corner at the same time." So I was kind of flip flopping back and forth, and I mean, that, that was kind of hard. But uh, then when they're like, "Hey, you know, I guess I did a good job. We want to keep you at safety. 
Uh, I know because I know Rashad was hurt, and shoot, we really didn't have any safety after that, <laughs> like strong. So, you know, I understood that I guess game by game, you know, I was getting a lot more comfortable with it. And you played some safety back in college at Utah, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was mainly free safety, though, so that was that's the difference. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between that free safety and strong safety role and what you have to do to prepare for that position? Yeah, I mean, back in college, uh, I was mainly free, so I really didn't have any, uh, like, you know, run-fit responsibility, you know, taking on some linemen. And uh, now at strong, I mean, you uh, you know, to prepare for a game, not only got to study routes, you know, route schemes, whatever, for the tight end. I mean, I have to study some run game. Like, I mean, because that corner, I mean, honestly, like corner, I, I, I didn't go through the – I mean, I didn't go through the run clips. Like, if it came to me, it came to me, you know. I was on the island. Now it's strong. You, know, I have to study the run game because, you know, I have to watch if you know how the tight end blocks or how you know if the O line pulls. You know, I got different gaps at different schemes. So, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a lot more you know a little broader studying. And is it a, a bigger challenge for you when it comes like on the practice field, like out there today, for instance? You're going through different drills when it comes to playing safety and cornerback. I'd imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. I got. I think I have some like. There's some run fist drills I got to do now, uh, you know, learn how to come off blocks, uh, you know, other than corner was working on your man technique, uh, you know, you know, just working on different stuff. So, I mean, there's different drills out there now for me. So I wanted to go back to this note. I put in my notes here for you, Eric. I was going to try to talk some crap to you here because I was curious to see how your Utah career went up against my Washington State Cougars, but you guys were two and two. So we'll go ahead and just shake hands on that one and call it even. I got to get my Pac-12 action in here whenever I can because we don't have many of it out here with the Dolphins. I so I had to bring it up. But um, uh, we'll, we'll come back here to the Dolphins. Another Pac-12 guy, uh, we had GA, Gerald Alexander, on this weekend for media availability. And he talked a lot about the importance of communication, especially at that safety position. Is there a big increase in your level of comfortability now that you're in your second year as a safety in this defense? Like, do you feel more comfortable communicating to the defense this year than you did last year? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a little bit different calls, but I mean, I have a lot of better understanding of, you know, kind of when to make that call and, uh, you know, how to make that call. Other than, I mean, I was comfortable last year, but last year I didn't have too many calls. I think the coach knew like, hey, you know, man up on the tight end and you'll fit in the run game kind of when you fit in. But now this year, uh, you know, I have run, you know, responsibilities, fits, you know, idea calls to the D-line, calls to the linebackers, calls to the corners. I mean, even to the other safety, to Bobby, you know, uh, there's a lot of different calls, but I'm a lot more confident this year, though. And so one of the things I think that kind of contributes to that is the ability to communicate with new teammates. And we got you guys have brought in a few new defensive backs over the last couple of weeks. And I want to kind of tie that into last year again because you played all 16 games last year and you oversaw plenty of turnover in that secondary from week one to week 17. You mentioned the injuries, being down so many guys. Did that experience kind of accelerate your ability to communicate and assist in helping the other new guys on the roster? Yeah. I mean, it started last year when – we were getting new corners every part, like every other week, and we throw them right in the game. And you know, there's a couple plays like, "Hey, like, you know, what do I got?" And I'm telling them, you know, I'm kind of telling them like, "Hey, you know, you have this. Make sure you, I don't know, stay outside leverage, or you have this." So, uh, so now with this year, uh, you know, we, you know, we got kind of got the guys back. So I don't have to make kind of like tell them what to do, uh, but you know, if they need me, like I, I know what they're doing. Like, 
you know, especially if it's like a rookie, like, hey, like, make sure, you know, I don't know, you stay outside. You know, I got your help in here, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, this year, I mean, I, 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 I kind of did accelerate it, though. I watched some of the breakdowns on like Twitter, for instance. Darius Butler does a bunch of good stuff with that, and he talks about the communication you guys have to go through. It all happens so lightning fast. It, it blows my mind how quick you guys are able to read and react to that stuff. And speaking of the new guys, you mentioned the rookies. wanted to get your take here. Uh, I've seen quotes on both Noah Igbenogany and Brandon Jones, the two rookie defensive back draft picks for the Dolphins this year. I've seen quotes from their ex-coaches and teammates that cannot say enough about their competitiveness and dedication. Are you seeing the same thing here in Miami? Yeah. I mean, I, I see it on the field, you know, with the way they, you know, both of them, they run to the ball. Uh, I mean, I can see how hard, you know, they, they want to, they want to get this defense down. Like, you know, they want to get perfect with it right now, but even though it doesn't really happen like that, uh, I mean, I, you know, you can see it in their eyes and their actions, you know, I see the way they take the field. So, I mean, they're, yeah, they're both really competitive. Eric, I want to finish up here with a question for you about last year and kind of where your career came to this crossroads here in Miami because you previously had missed a lot of time with some injuries. I was curious to get your take on how it felt for you to get that contract extension last year and to kind of have your football talent finally be able to show itself on the field. What was that moment like when you got approached by the Dolphins with a new contract? Oh, man, it felt it felt great. I mean, just one you know, I, you know, I want to be here, you know, I want to be with Flo and Josh. I mean, it's the reason why I came here, uh, you know, to get that extension. And then, yeah, plus like the years past of just, you know, injury after injury, you know, something that you can't control. Then, you know, them two, you know, giving me, you know, final shot to, you know, kind of show my talent and, you know, kind of all the hardware kind of like, you know, kind of pays off and uh, me, you know, setting my family up and, you know, being a place that I want to be at. I mean, it felt great. I have to imagine the only thing that felt better than that was the pick six last year in Foxborough, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially in Foxborough. I know. I knew it. All right, there he is, Eric Rowe, your Dolphin safety, leader of the secondary, leader of this defense. Eric, we appreciate your time today, man. I appreciate it. I always love talking to Eric Rowe because he always gives such a unique perspective and just such an honest, transparent perspective on football, on life, on his career so far. You heard him talk about the injury past he had there, the injury history, and how important and how special it was to him to get the contract extension here with the Miami Dolphins and how he wanted to be here with Brian Flores and Josh Boyer and these guys down here in Miami. Looking at his his NFL pro football reference game logs over the course of his career, he played all 16 games as a rookie in Philadelphia. Then he was traded to, Phil, to New England in 2016, and he missed seven games that year. He missed eight games the following year and then 12 games in 2018. So you hear him talk about things out of your control, injuries that just, they just happen to guys sometimes. Like it's not a, a knock on how a guy works or prepares. He obviously works very hard at his craft. Sometimes you just can't control the way injuries pop up. And for Eric Rowe, he's had bad luck with that in his past, but last year started 16 games or rather started 15 games, played in all 16 games, had the interception, had eight pass breakups, forced to fumble, 81 tackles. He was a really valuable asset for the Dolphins secondary last year. He earns the new contract in Miami. And you can hear, you can tell why by hearing him speak and the way he communicates and how he leads this defense on that back end. Very, very happy for Eric Rowe. And I cannot wait to watch him on Sundays this year. And we'll go ahead and pivot here from the guys Eric Rowe is playing with on defense to the guys the defense are trying to stop on the offensive side with the assistant coaches. The players are off, but the coaches are here, and we're going to hear from each of the Dolphins' offensive assistants, and we're going to play some sound from each of those coaches here in just one second. But first, before we do that, I went ahead and did some research on offensive 
personnel groupings and production from previous Chan Gailey offenses. And the only one I could go back and find was with the Jets in 2015 and 2016. But I wanted to detail this interesting factoid that I found on Chan Gailey's offense from those two years there with the Jets and the difference in personnel packaging and how the numbers bear out a cliche we hear from coaches all the time, right? We're going to adapt our personnel or our play calls rather to our personnel. And the numbers between these two seasons, Chan's last in the NFL as a play caller in 2015 and 2016 with the New York Jets, they prove the old adage to be true for Chan Gailey. For instance, in 2015, the Jets ran 12 personnel. That's one running back, two tight ends, just 2% of their offensive play calls. In 2016, that number jumped up to 16.4% for a 14.5% change in terms of 12 personnel usage. So he found more tight ends and called on them called on the tight ends more often that season. The story was saying with 21 personnel, that's two backs, one tight end. In 2015, the Jets went 14.8% time out of 21 personnel and only 0.5%, a half percentage in 21 personnel in 2016. So another 14% drop off there in usage. In 2015, the Jets ran 10 personnel, 400 snaps. The next highest in football that year was 136 snaps. Only two other teams had more than 40 snaps from that package. So that's more of a spread out, four wide type of offense. One back, no tight ends, four receivers. The Jets ran that 400 times that year. And again, the next highest was 136 snaps. In 2016, they ran 11 personnel, 383 times, fewer than anybody else in the National Football League. So he is not really beholden to any one specific offensive scheme. And he's proven that with his play calls and his personnel groupings in the past. Let's go ahead now and get to audio from Chan Gailey, who talked to the South Florida media on Thursday afternoon. And up first, he talked about the rotation of reps and practice between the quarterbacks and the rest of the players on offense and how they work that rotation to make sure everybody's getting even reps with the right players. We try to get different guys. We have a quarterback rotation and we try to put different people in with those quarterbacks rather than saying, you know, first group, second group, third group. We just have a quarterback rotation and we mix a lot of different people in uh, with those with when those quarterback when the quarterback rotation is so that we um, know how many plays we're getting with everybody. And on the topic of quarterbacks, Coach Gailey was asked about the knowledge between quarterbacks that play under multiple offensive coordinators in a short number of years. Talking about Josh Rosen bouncing around from different play callers through the first couple of years of his career. But he also talked about Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama and playing with three different coordinators there. Really interesting answer here from Chan Gailey. There's really only X amount of plays in, in football. So what you're trying to do is teach him a new language. How quickly can he learn a new language and get to where he can speak it fluently rather than he's memorizing what something means. And so the, the biggest thing is to try to get him to put things in the past, terminology in the past, put it away, put it over to the side and, and grasp the new terminology. It's okay in your brain to say, well, that used to be called this, but now it's called this and use that as a reference. That's a good thing, but not to get it where it's clogging up, learning what new is going on. And that's, that's true with, I mean, two has got the same issue. He had three coordinators his three years in college. He's got the same issue. And um, the great thing about, um, you know, Fitz is Fitz has done put different offenses out of his mind 
so many times in his career that he's kind of used to it. It takes a while to learn to do that, put it all away and start something new. Man, I tell you what, I'm really enjoying the transparency of these Chan Gailey press conferences, especially his answer here, talking about the value of having size on the offensive line and how maybe that's not the most important thing. You have to be able to use it for it to matter. There are a bunch of 400-pound people around out there that can't play football, okay? So size is not the only factor. It's like people used to tell me, hey, you got the, you got some great speed at receiver. Well, if speed was the only factor, we'd go sign the Olympic team to come play football. So size is not the only factor in an offensive line, but the key is to get those guys using that strength and that weight, going in the right direction, doing the right things, uh, and, and that's the challenge for us. Bigger is better, only if it's better. Bigger is better, only if it's better. What a quote to end that question. Up next, Chan was asked about the progress of rookie Malcolm Perry in his offense so far and what he's seen from the former Navy star. Malcolm is, a, is an interesting guy, having played quarterback in the option and um, he, he's got some good quickness. Uh, he's got a feel for the game. You know, he's played tag growing up. You know, he knows how to make people miss and make them get out of the way. You know, he, he, he learned early on how to do that, how to look, look at a guy and know when he's off balance or he's got his foot in the wrong place and he can make a move the other way. So he's got a little unique talent there, and that's one thing that gives me hope that he can, you know, play receiver for us because he, he does have a feel for getting people off balance, finding holes. He understands the game pretty well. Probably playing quarterback helped him understand the game fairly well. So he's an interesting guy uh, to work with, and um, the other guys are working. You know, it, it, we, we hadn't had but – what, three or four padded? I don't even know. They run into each other now. Three padded practices. We've got a, uh, we, we've got a lot of work to do in a short time to do it. Up next, Coach evaluates another wide receiver on his roster, a player who's come out of the gates hot in training camp, picking up where he left off last season. He's got excellent hand-eye coordination. He's got route-running skills. He's got the speed and the size to make a difference on the football field especially when he's one-on-one, he can be physical with guys. Um, I, I'm I, I'm really looking forward to working with him and see what he develops into. Um, and hopefully we can build on what he, uh, how he finished the year last year. Hopefully we can build on that. That, of course, about Devontae Parker, Dolphins wide receiver. To finish this up here with Chan Gailey, he was asked about how he adapts to the offensive personnel he has and how you want to emphasize the strengths of the players you have and put them in a position to really show those strengths on Sundays. As a coordinator, you get excited about what guys can do. You don't fret about what they can't do. Uh, So you take the guys and take their skill set and the things that you're excited about, and you try to put them in position to be successful. And I think we have uh, a set of guys on our football team that give me some excitement about what we might be able to do with this crew. Up next, we got Coach Studisville, who, of course, coaches the running backs, and he started off with a question about evaluating both Jordan Howard and Matt Breida so far through the first week of training camp. Well, I think the thing you see them is that they're both competitive people. 
which is one of the things, you know, we really want is we're looking for guys that want to come in, compete and work. Those guys fill those those roles for us for sure. Um, you know, you see Matt's burst in speed. You, you've, we've seen it a couple times in the open. You see um, Jordan's got really good feet in line, vision in line, all the things that you expect. I think they both, you know, will be able to contribute as um, pass protectors. We've started to do some more drills with that in, in practice as far as rush drills. So we're seeing that. we got to continue to develop that. But we're just – we're continuing to get them doing everything. I just don't have enough of a, a feel for them on a big volume to know what exactly – their whole packages are right now, but you love everything about both of those guys on the field in the classroom. They're smart. They understand football. They're, they're passionate about it. They want to be good. They want to work. And so we just got to keep developing and building. Up next, coach talked about the benefit of size up front on the offensive line and how the offense can go through the running game to create play action opportunities and how the entire balance of the offense depends on itself. Well, I, hopefully it's going to help us overall as an offense. You know, those big guys, too, they got to pass protect and, and those kind of things. So I think it's going to factor into the run game as well as the pass game. And then hopefully we add some play actions in there, too. So the better we run the ball, the more we'll be able to play action pass off of it. And we'll still be able to drop back pass and do some things. So I think, uh, you know, we've gotten better, I think, in that. But, again, we don't know really how much better yet until we start doing some more things in pass. We've only had a few days in pass, so we got to keep building this. But – um, I like the direction that it goes. I think there's a good mix with what the offensive line and the backs are figuring out from each other right now. We just we still got to keep working on it. And as I record this podcast, I'm drinking a Diet Pepsi out of my Washington State Cougars koozie. Here is Coach talking about Washington Husky Miles Gaskin, and I'll go back to crying into my Diet Pepsi thinking about those four Apple Cups he once ruined for Washington State Cougar fans and alumni everywhere. You know, Miles has, Miles has done a great job, I think, um, so far in what we've done. I think he's, you know, head and shoulders above where he was at this time last year. I think, you know, the work and the effort that he puts into the game and the passion that he has to want to work and to want to be good at this and to get everything, I think, has started to really show. And he invested in himself last year, and it's paying off for him now. Um, he's playing more confident. He's playing faster. And I think we're seeing some of the skill set that, that he's had in the past. We're starting to see now what really some of his potential is. And we'll go ahead and finish this one up with a question from yours truly. Hey, Coach, want to go back to Jordan Howard here again. You touched on his vision a little bit there in the first question. Is that something that's just inherent in a back, or can he kind of help impart some of that wisdom on the rest of the room and the way he reads blocks and sets things up? Well, a lot of it is, is reactions and what they do, but certainly we have things that we're looking at as to what how a play is designed. I mean, we talk about that a lot of times in meetings. Hey, where, what are our eyes doing? What are we thinking here? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that can know what the play should do, and then there's a difference in the guys that can make the play do what it's supposed to do. And Jordan has that ability to find holes, to create for himself. He's got good feet in line. Um, he, he, has, he has what we call vision to be able to find things. Up next, we have Coach Marshall on the offensive line. And at yesterday's practice, I noticed Eric Flowers coming out of the building with this band and harness apparatus that he was carrying all by himself out there. And I didn't think much of it, but then late on Wednesday night, I saw a tweet from Omar Kelly of the South Florida Sun Sentinel where he talked about the Dolphins' offensive line and working every day after practice and Eric Flowers kind of being the ringleader, the leader of that group, getting those young guys the extra reps. And I went back and found this quote that I found from Bill Callahan, the interim head 
head coach last year and former offensive line coach up in Washington with Eric Flowers. Here's what he had to say about Flowers. Quote, I love Flowers. I loved him coming out of the draft. I think the world of him. He's physical. He's been really good in pass protection. He's a strong square force in that respect. I just love the kid. I just like the way he works, how he goes about his business. Sometimes it's a breath of fresh air. I've had a lot of guys in my career, a couple of different places, that sometimes a different exposure to new techniques, a different system, it kind of revives them. He'll hit the free agency market, and I think he'll do well. So just going back to the work ethic and the fact that he's all about business, we see it on the practice field and the extra reps and him getting work with the younger guys. We also hear it here from Coach Marshall talking about his new offensive lineman and Eric Flowers. Well, I mean, yeah, it's huge. Uh not only Eric and Ted and Jesse and some of the guys that have played in this league, uh, it's it's really guys like that and help guys, you know, because those young guys, you know, they've had, you know, three weeks work and it's a whole different ball game. The speed is different. The, the Obviously, the size and the physical movement. Uh, so, yeah, every day uh, that not only helps them, they may give them a little uh, tidbit and help them do with with fundamentals and technique and some of the things we're asking them to do and then you know that's what that's what that's what O-line do that that helps build com- camaraderie and all all the different aspects that that goes into playing offensive line in, in this league up next coach talks about the evaluation so far of his three rookie draft picks along the offensive line and Solomon Kinley Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson uh, those three guys have, have, have taken the role, you know, they're coming in and they're learning every day. Every, every play is a new adventure for those guys. Uh, they were very good players at the last at college level and, uh, they're, they're getting better every day. Uh, they're bright eyed. They, they learn and, uh, they're, they're competing hard. You know, I mean, they're, they're not, we've been pleased. A guy that's just starting three days of pads. And the, fl- and the hot Florida sun is, uh, is a little bit of an eye-opener for some of those guys, but uh, uh, they're fighting through it. And you're going to kind of notice a theme here on these press availabilities as these guys will talk about football and break the game down for you in a way that's easy to understand. Coach Marshall was asked about how he evaluates offensive linemen because there's not really a way to quantify how they perform. Here's what Coach had to say about how he evaluates his offensive linemen. Well, it goes to skill set. It goes to smarts. It goes to toughness. Uh, uh, is he a team guy? And, and you know, Cam, uh, was it uh, Cameron? Yeah, it, he, uh, th- those guys usually are team guys because, you know, they, they obviously, as you know, they, they don't – there's no stats involved with offensive line. You know, they try to make them with all these different different things. But at the end of the day, uh, the, fe- the best five guys that can block them, all right, can do it intelligently – and do it over a long period of time are the ones that are very successful in this league. And uh, that's what kind of we're trying to build, build with these guys. And that's the best I can tell you. There's, they got to have the skill set. you know, like it's, it's uh, bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, but there's a lot more that goes into it. Old line is, is all about intelligent, being able to work on your feet, being able to change, you know, doing things quickly, uh, mentally and physically. And here's some further evaluation on Dolphins' fourth-round draft pick out of Georgia, Solomon Kinley. Well, Solomon's a guy, you know, if you went back and looked at him at Georgia, you know, he's a big man. He's smart. He's, you know, he's a smart guy. He loves to play the game. And that's the one thing I think that, uh, you know, for a 21-year-old kid that left college early to come to the NFL, he's got to want to be a very good player. But obviously he has physical attributes and skill set that – 
you know, my grandmother can see that he's, you know, a big man. Uh, but the thing about Solomon, he comes to work every day so far. He is not, we put a lot on him. We want to see where he is and he's not back down a bit. And, uh, you know, every day's an adventure for him, Joe. He's a guy that, you know, like I said, it's a whole new thing for him, a whole new nomenclature, a whole new thing. And, and you know, uh, as rookies do, they have good plays, they have bad plays. And my job's to eliminate the bad ones and keep making the good ones better. And that's really where Solomon is, as is Rob and A.J. and some of the other young guys uh, that are playing on the offensive line. And we'll go ahead and finish up with my question for Coach Marshall. Hey, good morning, Coach. How are you? What's up, Travis? How are we doing? I'm doing well. wanted to ask you about the communication and protection calls up front and, and seeing a defense like the one that Flores and Boyer run with all those fronts and different rush packages. Does that kind of help accelerate the growth of your young line up front? Oh, there's no doubt. It starts It starts not just the young line, but the, you know, the whole group. You know, you've got to be, and as, as we've all documented, Part of offensive line play, you know, is more of the pre-snap stuff than the post-snap stuff. You come out of the huddle, uh, they give you a specific look. We have to make a specific call based on that look, and pass, especially in pass protection, but also in the run game. So, yes, there's a huge communication um, uh, factor that we go through, making sure it goes from the guard to the tackle, to the guard, the center to the guard to the tackle, um, and making sure when, when we get different looks like our defense does, they're very multiple. They give you a lot of different uh, problems, and it's, it's really part of the whole maturation process and learning process to get the line to come together. And a lot of it is just time on the job uh, over and over again and seeing the different things that we've got to see and be able to handle in pass protection and, and, not, and obviously in the run game too. But pass protection is really where – that's the difference between pro ball and as opposed to kind of college ball, you know, what these what the young guys have. But not only for that, but for the Ted Karras's and Eric Flowers and Jesse's and the guys that have had who are basically young veterans that, you know, every year, again, the nomenclature and the different ways we say things and the different language that we use has got to be practiced in meetings and practiced in games to be able to handle all the different uh, looks and pressures you get. And we go hot change here and bring in coach Robbie Brown, the coach of the quarterback room. And we start with a question once again from yours truly. You know, I find the personality dynamic in that quarterback room pretty intriguing. And my question here is sort of two pronged. One, how are those personalities meshing? And do you find yourself not just teaching, but also kind of learning from the cerebral guys you have in that room there and Fitz and Josh and Tua? Well, the room does have a lot of personalities. It's fun to be in. And most quarterback rooms you go into, you got to be on your toes because they're witty. They're, you know, you got to know what you're saying, be ready for all kinds of comments and things like that. So it, it's a lot of fun being in there, being around them. It's fun watching them interact together, learn from each other. And yeah, you, I mean, obviously you're going to learn something from every single guy how they see things, how they process things. Uh, so it, it has been a good time learning, seeing, teaching uh, all three of those guys. I told some of the people in the building here how much I love Coordinator Day on the podcast or on media availability because you get so many inside techniques or inside ideas about how coaches think and how they evaluate. Here's Coach Brown talking about the quarterback room, quarterback play in general, and how they think and how they're wired in that competitive mindset. You see some good, you see – 
some throws that they wish they could do better. Um, and, and that's the way practice is, and that's the way games are. Every NFL quarterback is extremely competitive. So if they're 59 or 60, they're worried about that one. And it, and it doesn't matter if it's Josh or Fitz or Tua or whoever it is. Uh, but I tell you, it's just been fun to get out there and be on the grass and see all three of them throw to see uh, see a practice go. I'm sure it's been fun for you guys as well. But, um, you know, we just got to try to get better each and every day and all three of them in every aspect, whether it be calls and throws, footwork, everything, just trying to improve every single day. And we wrap up with Coach Brown here with an evaluation on Josh Rosen entering year number two here with the Miami Dolphins. He has come in mentally really trying to learn the offense, understand the offense. Uh, and it, just like the other two guys, he's made some good throws the past few days. He's made some not-so-great throws the past few days. But his effort to improve every day has been really good. Uh, improve mentally, uh, improve his throws, improve his footwork. He's always thinking through those kind of things. Um, and and I think really the mantra that, that Flo has put out, hey, let's go out there and get better today. I think he is really trying to do that and, and living by that rule. And talking about the quarterbacks to the guys they throw to in the receivers and coach Josh Grizzard, here is coach answering my question to start things off about Isaiah Ford. I wanted to ask you about Isaiah Ford and a comment that Ryan Fitzpatrick made last December about his knowledge of the offense, went as far as to call him special in the way he prepares and studies. Can you tell us what you see from Isaiah Ford in terms of a preparation standpoint and how he's able to really absorb the offense so comprehensively? Uh, Isaiah is a very, um, very smart football player. He completely understands not only his job, but the guy beside him. He might even be able to tell you what the O-line's doing. He might tell you what the protection is. So he, he knows that because he studies it. Uh, he loves the game. He, I, mean, I can see this guy coaching one day down the line, and he, um, he does have elite knowledge of what we're doing, what his role is, and he's just a joy to be around because he understands it from our level. And next, a question about coaches. Focus on Devontae Parker and what he wants to work on and get better at this season to improve upon last year's breakout season. Yeah, the fact that he was healthy last year and had all that success, it's beautiful to see this year that he's now more vocal. Um, you can tell that's coming along. Um, the first couple weeks of camp, really the same thing. And and guys gravitate to that. The, the young guys that are around, they see that. They see the way he works. Um, he now understands, I think, more than ever that not only – is your job to get open and catch the ball. But if it's a concept that you need to go get doubled or you need to be in this spot to open it up for the next guy, he understands that side of it too. I think he understands defenses more than ever. So uh, just seeing him take those strides has, has been good. Kind of just going down the roster here. We did Isaiah Ford, Devontae Parker, and now coach will talk about both Matt Cole and Gary Jennings. Yeah, so Matt, um, it, it's been good to actually get a chance to work with him and get to the point where we're putting the pads on and what you see from Matt is Matt is a strong player. Um, he's an explosive guy. Uh, he can get in and out of breaks uh, quickly. And, and we've been able to see that over the last uh, few practices on the field. So just seeing that in person and um, really the same thing of going from talking about this thing on Zoom to getting on the field and doing it has been, uh, has been good. And then to Gary, uh, Gary's a tough player. He's physical. Um, a lot of the same things where sometimes you rather run through a guy than around him. So it's good to see that aspect of the game as well. And we'll just go ahead and keep on rolling here with Preston Williams. Yeah, I think that he's really just focused on the last few months of just getting back to where he was. 
And, and now that um, he's working towards that, it's how can I run this route slightly differently? Or if I'm seeing this coverage, same thing to the point I was making about Devontae and really the rest of the group on, it's not always me. I got to go beat this guy, but let me be in this spot so that this play is effective so the Dolphins move the ball down the field. And I think he sees that more. He's seeing more defenses. He's just putting that in his mind on cataloging. Like, okay, I can reach back to this some point down the line on I've had that experience. So um, he's done a good job with that. And just getting that feel for it um, has, has been his main thing. And one more coach to get here to the tight ends coach, George Godsey, talked about Adam Shaheen to kick things off here. But just in general, the way coach breaks things down from a football perspective, really good insight here from the Dolphins tight end coach. Here he is talking about new tight end, Adam Shaheen. Well, uh, yeah, you, you know, he's he's gradually uh, grasping the offense. You know, unfortunately for Adam, uh, you know, wasn't here in the spring. So to be able to digest that amount of time that we spent in these virtual meetings, uh, he's put he's put a lot of effort and, uh, you know, really commend him on on catching up, honestly, from a mental standpoint. And then, you know, physically, uh, there's there's obviously some history of him not being out there on the field. He's been working hard in the training room and to get out there continue to improve his reps and then continue to show some production from, you know, especially a blocking standpoint. Um, you know, it's hard in the preseason to get everybody the ball. Um, he has definitely some, uh, you know, touchdown background, let's call it in the NFL. So uh, we know he can, he can catch the ball. Um, but you know, when you're trying to evaluate, you know, a, a, an extra group of running backs, some extra receivers, uh, you know, all the different quarterbacks uh, trying to rotate that there's, there, it's complex in getting, you know, the ball uh, distributed to everybody. So um, we're going to take it, uh, you know, one day at a time, but, you know, you bring up some good points there as far as him improving uh, day to day. And and we've got about two more weeks for that to, to keep going before it's, you know, season time. Last week, coach joked with Cameron Wolf of ESPN about his backdrop in the balcony and how inviting it looked. Cam didn't have that backdrop this time, but coach did joke with him about his traps and how they're looking better. Hey, George, uh, don't have a balcony in the backdrop this week, but that's all right. Traps look a little bigger, though, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you, I guess, you you got, it seems like you have guys that may not necessarily be in your room full time, but may play some, some H back or some move tight end, you know, maybe like a Mac Hollins or like a Chandler Cox. How do you work with those guys who, like you said, like I said, may not be in your room full time, but may play some tight end roles? Yeah, th- that's a, this is a very complicated thing with really every club. It's, you know, the hybrid players, um, you know, and being able to, um, let's say, adapt to another another role. So, you know, potentially could Chandler Cox carry the football? So he's got to learn some running back stuff from a prote- protection standpoint, from a running back landmark standpoint. Um, and then the tight end role, you know, obviously there's on the line, there's extended as a Technically, there are tight ends in the in the media guide, but they could be extended and play essentially a receiver or detached eligible position. So um, and then, you know, as a tight end, does he get off the ball and get into a position to to block as a fullback? So, um, you know, it takes obviously a lot of extra time. And, you know, when we're talking about being physical, obviously the fullback and the tight end, those two positions have a lot of merging roles. So those two guys essentially, or those two positions are, are in this room. And it's, it's, you know, something that I say, I may be talking to Chandler, but I'm really speaking to the whole room uh, so that they hear the point because, 
you know, and I always bring up is you may get up to bat and face, you know, three straight fastballs, but you know, at some point you're going to face the curveball. And if you're not listening to a correction that was made to another player, then, you know, we're not going to be ready for that pitch or that defense, uh, so to say. So um, it, it's definitely a burden for those guys when they're sitting there in the meeting room and you're really addressing a certain player, but for them to process that information and put them in that spot, um, you know, that's how that whole room improves from a, like you said, a toughness or a physical standpoint, especially in the run game. And the next question for coach had to deal with Dolphins third year tight end Durham Smythe and an overall evaluation of what he brings to the Miami tight end room. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole room is essentially a young room. And so <clears throat> I see those guys improving, um, in all phases, uh, every day. And, you know, there's a certain degree in the run game, uh, that, or if we're speaking to Durham specifically that he's able to provide for us maybe a little bit differently than um, Michael uh, say. And then there's also some things that he can do um, that maybe Michael, you know, can't do. So um, he's concentrating on, you know, some of the weaknesses from last year and improving those, but professional and mental standpoint, this guy is as sharp as anybody in our offensive room. Um you know, he, he understands defenses, he understands techniques. Um, and again, uh, to Cameron's uh, question, when you're blocking all those different angles, inserting as a fullback, uh, on the point of attack as a tight end, you know, that's just, that's not like a one-stop shop. Like, and, and to process that and understand what exactly those players are doing, um, you know, I, I tip my hat to Durham because sometimes it's a thankless job because it doesn't show up. Uh, in the stat book, eight catches, um, uh, you know, for whatever yards. But he's a big part of us of being successful, run, play action. And, you know, when the ball is thrown to him, he gets his opportunity. Uh, he's got to take advantage of it, which, you know, he's shown a little bit of that here in these first few days with Pato. Up next, a question from, once again, yours truly. Hey, Coach, I want to kind of continue that theme about talking about the way Mike and, and Durham kind of balance each other because we saw the versatility last year with Mike playing a lot out wide in the slot in line. And I'm curious, when you're in 12 personnel there with two tight ends, how important is it to have some type of balance in both play style and body type in those two tight ends on the field? It, it's it's extremely important. Um, you know, you don't want a loaded box is what we say when everybody just comes down there and plays a run. And, you know, if you're, if you're facing a defense that um, wants to respect your ability to threaten them vertically, uh, essentially in the passing game, then we need to have, you know, enough hands on hands uh, or hats on hats from a blocking standpoint to be able to allow us to run for some yards. So uh, the tight end position, you know, it's, it's a threat initially because we're on the line of scrimmage for the most part um, and we're able to get into the defense. A little bit different from a fullback position because we're now, you know, at let's call it level two, level three uh, in the backfield, depending on uh, exactly the position. Um, So the tight end position is a vital position to providing that pass and run threat. Um, So it's it's extremely important for both of those guys to uh, excel at both run and pass, you know, albeit they're they're blocking different players at certain times. Uh, sometimes DBs, sometimes defense alignment. And, you know, that's our job to put those guys in positions where we feel like uh, they're most effective versus uh, that defense. And there you have it. If you want to hear these in their entirety, go ahead and check out MiamiDolphins.com or the YouTube page. And we'll also have all the written recaps up on MiamiDolphins.com for your daily written content on your Miami Dolphins. 
as the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals it. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. We have the power to protect each other by wearing a mask. So who do you wear a mask for? Mask up South Florida, keep caring, live healthy, stay strong, and learn more at baptisthealth.net slash coronavirus. Okay, it's been about one month since I got here into South Florida for this job, moving my family across the country, and I've learned a few things about the difference between life in central Washington State and South Florida, and there are plenty of them. Let's go ahead and rip off the notes that I wrote down for this real quick. Signals and speed limits on the road are optional. You can go like 70 miles an hour in a 45, and no one's going to care. You can jump four lanes without using a turn signal, and nobody cares about that either. So it's the wild, wild west out here, wacky races in South Florida. You can host an Animal Planet show from the garage at the Nova Southeastern campus where we park for Dolphins facility, Dolphins practice, everything Dolphins related. I found a raccoon, an iguana. There are stray cats out there. There's ducks walking around. I have seen pretty much every kind of animal you can imagine out in that garage. Might have to pull a Steve Irwin side episode here of the Drive Time podcast one of these days. Number three, always be privy of the weather report because I've been caught out in the rain on jogs, on my walk from the facility out here to the podcast studio. I get caught in the rain as much as anybody, I feel like, and that's a South Florida lesson number one. Be aware of the weather report and probably always have an umbrella. Also, enjoy the tame temperatures, number four here, because on Wednesday's practice, the sun was a little bit of cloud coverage out there. There was a cool breeze, and my goodness, it was so much more enjoyable than sitting out in the hot baking sun and that just thick heat and humidity. So when you get those days, you really have to enjoy them. Number five, this is probably not South Florida, but more of just living in a gated complex. Do not order food delivery service if you live in a gated complex. It never gets there. I'm like 0 for 3. I'm just going to have to go start driving to places, which is kind of a bummer because I get home late. I don't want to go cook. I don't want to go out to a restaurant. So I need that delivery service, but it's just not working out for me. Number six, being a fan of a West Coast team is just not possible if you have an alarm clock to wake up to the next morning. Trying to watch my Mariners games, I fall asleep in the fifth or sixth inning almost every single night. They start up most of those games at 9.40 Eastern time. I just can't make it because I'm in bed by 11, 11.30 at the latest. And this one from my wife, I was surprised by this comment. She said, people out here are nicer Do you guys have that same experience? People in South Florida are nicer than other parts of the country. That's what she said. She said that, (laughs) that is what she said. She said that was her experience at Target and place different stores she went to, like Home Goods. She said everybody was super nice and like greeted her and was very kind to her that way. So those are my South Florida lessons so far. Let me know what you think about those on Twitter. Let me know if you think they're wrong, if I should change those, if I should add more to them. I want to hear your takes on South Florida from the folks that live here. As for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.